We haven't done this in a while. I know. It's been like a month. Yeah. How you been? Uh, good. Had a nice Thanksgiving time off. Um, so feeling good, refreshed from that. And then December is just going to be really busy. Really? But it'll be fun. Why, yeah. why are you so busy? Um, I'm going on a camping trip this weekend. Really? And then I'm going to a wedding next weekend. I heard about the, the wedding. The next weekends are like Christmas stuff. So right, I'm like, right. tra- I'm traveling each of the next four weekends. Wow. Crazy. What's, what's this camping thing? Where are you going camping? We're going in North Georgia. So I, I have a group of friends that I like to go rock climbing with once a week. And one of them is like really ambitious and he was like yeah so uh let's go outdoors i booked us campsites this weekend and we're going and i'm like <laughs> all right <laughs> all right sounds good um so you gotta I, i'm you like gotta get plane tickets like today no we're driving we're driving You're driving to georgia that's not that bad it's like eight hours well i'm not driving someone else is driving i guess that makes it better doesn't it yeah and i'll sleep through half of it so that's true it's a good point. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it should be interesting. I've never done outdoor rock climbing before, so we'll see what that's like. I don't think I'm going to do very well. Everyone says it's like 10 times harder, but Oh, we'll I see. believe it. Is it like on a re- I guess it's on a it's on a real like rock or something, right? Yeah, we're not doing ropes though. We're just doing bouldering, which means it's not like that high off the ground. Okay. Okay. I don't think I would do ropes outdoors. I've heard too many bad stories. Yeah. That makes sense. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, uh, sounds like you're enjoying life. Yeah, it's been good recently. Busy, which is nice. Yeah, gives you something to do. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be sitting around doing nothing all the time. Right, right. Um, we got so much to talk about. I mean... Hit me. I mean, should, I mean, I mean, let's just kind of go over the schedule, I mean, of this episode. Okay. I mean, we have to yep. talk about... Uh, we have to talk about the Battle of the Bobs. Um, we have to talk about uh, the Taylor Swift Ticketmaster fiasco. Oh, we have God. to talk about the World Cup. We have to talk about Netflix and Glass Onion. Um, and then we have to do a spoiler slot on Andor because right. it's it, it's I mean it's just it's just incredible. So yeah, I mean, I mean we don't we don't need to do a spoiler slot on it, but we could just because I, I feel like that show you could talk about and how great it is without spoilers, you know. So maybe right. we won't even need a spoiler slot, but we're but we're gonna talk about it. Um, we got a lot we got a lot going on. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot. It's been a month. So it's, it's been a month. So there's a lot to catch up on. I I, I mean, I, I, I get we have to start with the biggest news. I mean this I mean this news out of Disney was just extraordinary i mean at 10 or 11 o'clock at night disney just issued a statement that was like hey bob chapek the ceo is out he's gone we're we're bringing back Iger, bringing back bob Iger. i mean this guy was the ceo for 15 years he he retires you know he and and then and then he's, he's supposed to be running for president now he's pulling a tom brady Right. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it's wild. It's just, it's just, you know, it's so crazy to see, a, you know, the, the statement said like Bob Iger is back effective immediately. And like anytime mm-hmm. a major corporation like the Walt Disney company uses the terms effective immediately, it's like, it means they're in crisis mode. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's some shit went down. Yeah. Um, I mean, where do we even where do we even start with this? I, I mean, uh, 
Do you have, do you have initial thoughts? Um, I think it's interesting that it got announced so late at night. Um, I, I, I think that like shows even more how like spur the moment it was. Um, I've got, I've got a few friends that work at Disney and I've talked to them briefly about it and they're all thrilled. So, um, I think that's a good sign. And apparently one of them was telling me like, apparently Bob was just like, Iger was showing up at board of directors meetings all the time still just showing up uninvited and just like hey how's it going just checking in so it seems like seems like he wanted to be back um so i don't know it's interesting well i wonder what the main reason to be back is because if i was uh 70 years old and didn't have to work a day the rest of my life i don't know that i would so I, don't, I wonder what he's up to. What is what he's got in mind? Yeah, what like what's his motivation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think part of it is I do think he genuinely cares about the company, mm-hmm. right? And and also like most like you know corporate executives like they care about their legacy, right? And if he feels like he screwed up his legacy by choosing the wrong guy, then like he, he might wa- he might want to redo on that, you know. Right. Um, that could be part of it. But uh, yeah, because like when he initially stepped down as CEO, he said, I'm going to stay on as chief creative officer. And then he, and then he said, and I'm going to be the chairman of the board. And then after a little while, he stepped away from that. And then for a little while, he was sort of silent, didn't say, speak much about Disney. And then recently, like within the last six months to a year, maybe like he started he started talking about Disney and sort of bad-mouthing Disney and the management, like, privately, not publicly, but privately to, to people, you know? And, uh, and I, I thought that was interesting, you know, like, criticizing what's going on. And then the rumor yeah. is that this deal came together pretty late. Like, I mean, it was like Disney had their earnings call, and the board didn't like how Chapek handled it, right? I mean, he, he, he revealed that... that Disney Plus had lost $1.5 billion. And he <laughs> revealed shit. that like the way that you reveal like, oh, I, I can't find the five bucks I put in my pocket. Like it was very casual. It was like very relaxed. And, and then like on the earnings call, he's like plugging like, hey, and don't forget, like, you know, we got our Halloween events at the parks. And the investors are like, what are you like? Hold on. You just dropped a fucking bombshell on us. that You lost a <laughs> billion and a half dollars on streaming and you're plugging mickey's not so scary Halloween. talk talk about that what's going on what are you doing that's so funny and then like a couple days later like after that he like announces like oh we're doing like layoffs at the company we're doing we're doing you know a a hiring freeze and we're doing layoffs and and he and he was like yeah this is because of the the money that we've lost and then and and it's like even if that was part of the plan like why didn't you lead with that because because when you when you issue that statement after you announce how much money you've lost it just looks like you're reacting you know to it looks it's like a rash reaction to investors freaking out rather than Mm -hmm. part of some brilliant plan right you know what i mean so like that was all handled poorly you know and the thing about chapik is like he's such a numbers guy he's such a bean counter you know like one of the things he did one of the things he did when he took over is he restructured the company like he totally restructured the like the org chart of disney i forget uh, uh what what is what is what is the name of that yeah uh dmed disney media and entertainment distribution okay 
there it was this like little thing inside of Disney, this little like you know group inside of Disney. And the way that Disney has always operated, I mean, I mean, the way Disney operated based under Bob Iger is that every every little group kind of had their own. They were, they were it was divisional, right? There's sort of two ways to structure major companies: the functional and divisional. You know, functional is like everything just reports to like one guy, usually the CEO. You know what I mean? Like Apple is the greatest, greatest example of like a functional company. Like mm-hmm. they really have like divisions. Everybody just kind of reports to Tim Cook, right? And Disney was always sort of the opposite, where they're like, no, like Marvel's its own division, Lucasfilm is its own division, like Parks is a division, and they all have their own like P and Ls, like their own like profit and loss, and they can and they get they have. Each group, each division kind of has its own power to, dis- to determine budgets and where they spend their money and things like that. And when Bi- Bob Iger came I'm, – I'm sorry. When Bob Iger left and Bob Chapek came in – too many Bobs. When Chapek came in, he, his idea was like let's take all that – let's take that power away from the divisions and put it with DMED, the media entertainment distribution. Let put it put it with them, and then they'll decide like how to divvy the money up and things like that. And like that that is not only uh, taking control away from creatives, like creative executives, whether it's Kevin Feige or Kathleen Kennedy or you know what I mean, people like that. But it's it's also like it it slows down people's ability to like make deals. You know what I mean? Like it, Kevin Feige is going to have a hard time making a deal for the next Marvel movie if he has to go back and report to somebody at DMED. Yeah, and, and ask, hey, can we can we approve this budget spending? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and 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 that is one of the biggest things. Like that, if you had to pick like one thing that Chapek did wrong, I think he did a lot of things wrong. I think he didn't know. I think he didn't know how to manage the politics of the company. I think he didn't know how to manage his employees. He didn't know how to appeal to creatives. But like, if you, if you had to pick one thing that he made a mistake on, it was this reorg of of the company. And that's, yeah, and I heard a lot of that stuff is going back. Yeah, Iger is like already in the process of like undoing that. Right, not literally everything that Chapek did is being undone. Like, like the hiring freeze is still in place. You know, things like that. But like, it's um, it's it's really interesting uh, to see like which parts are going to stay and which parts are are going to go are going to be undone. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think I think because Chapek was like, oh well, we're going to move the Imagineers from Disney in California to Disney in Florida, and. All the Imagineers were like pissed off about that. They were all upset about that. Like, we don't want to move to Florida. I don't want to do that. And like, Iger was yeah, like, "It's kind of a weird thing to spring on someone." Yeah, but 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 Chapek was like, "I don't give a shit. We can get tax breaks, and it'll save us money." So you're all moving to Florida. And then wow. like, there was like revolt from like the Imagineers, and and then he was like, "Okay, okay, I'll, I'll put a pause on that." Right. And I I think Iger, I don't think he's made a comment on that specifically, but like he hasn't said that they're going through with that plan, right? That's probably not going to happen now. Because, like, the Imagineers are, like, they're the creative people who, like, run the part. Like, they the part. Like, they, you have to keep them happy. You know what I mean? And it's just it's just the difference between Chapek and Iger. Like, Chapek is, is perceived as someone who, like, puts the business first and the creative second. And Iger is seen as someone who puts the creative first and the business second. Whether that's exactly you know it's not to say that bob Iger is a bad businessman he's obviously not it's not to say that chapek doesn't like movies but it it's it's the perception and how these things get handled you know what i mean mm-hmm. and, and yeah Iger is seen as someone who like really cares about the creative side of it and can manage that you know what i mean like it's it's the dip, like the the vibe i get is that like 
even if Iger had to make all the same moves as Chapek in terms of like cutting someone's budget for a TV show or something, Iger would be the kind of guy who'd be like, hey, I'm really sorry about this, but we do have to cut your budget. It's for these reasons, and I, and, you know, I, I hate to do it, but we have to do it for these other reasons, and I'm really sorry about that, but it's just something that's got to be done. Whereas Chapek seems like the kind of guy who would be like, you know, um, to his assistant, like, hey, um, Susie, can you send a memo to so-and-so that their show was canceled? Oh, business you know is mean? business. Like, that that that's that's that seems like the difference between the between these two guys. Like even if it even if Iger makes some of the same decisions as Chapek, or even if Chapek made the same decisions that Iger would have, it's like the way they're being handled that people are upset with. You see what I'm saying? And like you have to be able to manage both the it, it's show business, right? You have to be able to manage the show, the creative, and the business financial aspect of it. You have to be able to do both of those things if you're the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And Chapek mm-hmm. couldn't do that. But Iger can. Yeah, it seems like if he's such a bean counter, he should have been uh, counting those one and a half billion beans. That's That seems like a, a good first start. But I don't know. It's, it seems like whatever, if, if like prioritizing business was the goal, it seems like it didn't really work out. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 that's the biggest loss, though, is the streaming thing, right? Because like basically no streaming service is like profitable except Netflix at this point. And, and, that, and that's, that's, where part of, that's part of the problem that this is not – that is not Chapek's fault, which is like Wall Street has in the last year turned on how they think about streaming services, right? Because before it was all about growth of subscribers, it was all about how do we, you know, grow subscribers, grow subscribers, and the, and and Wall Street just cared about are you growing subscribers? We don't care if you're losing money, just keep bringing in new people, right? And it's also interesting to note that when Disney Plus first launched under Bob Iger, Bob Iger's estimate was we will have sixty to ninety million subscribers by the end of twenty twenty four. Sixty to ninety million, almost certainly an undershoot, um, you know, an, an under, underestimate, right? But that's what you do you you underestimate and then over deliver, right? Yep. Um, where, and then Chapek came in, and during the pandemic, people were at home. People bought Disney Plus, and you know there was some odd consumer behavior during the pandemic. Everyone was stuck at home watching more TV, and so Chapek looks at the growing numbers and says, "And Chapek like quadruples the estimate. Chapek is like we're going to hit like two hundred and thirty million subscribers by the end of twenty twenty four. That's so and, funny. And everyone was like looking at this and doing the math, and like that you would have to grow like fifteen million subscribers per quarter." every quarter for like the next year and a half in order to hit that so chapek you know he starts you know he starts bringing in uh uh he starts you know an advertising tier on disney plus he he does the uh, you know bringing in you know r-rated things tvma things to trying to bring in a bigger audience and every earnings call someone asks the question like do you want to adjust guidance on that 230 million subscribers number and he every time he was like nope not changing it and like and so (laughs) And so it was all streaming. The streaming business has been all about growth and subscribers for years. And then earlier this year with the Netflix correction where, you know, Netflix like lost subscribers for the first time or whatever. And people kind of freaked out about that. And Netflix was smart enough to like pivot the conversation away from subscriber growth and talk more about profits and how Netflix is making money. They're like the only streamer that's really making money right now. And so then once Netflix started, started, talking less about like you know growth and subscribers they started being more transparent about like how many people are are watching how many like their like viewership hours and they started talking more about about profits and revenue 
and it it made it made Wall Street kind of look at other streaming services and be like, wait, why aren't you guys profitable now? And so even though Netflix, I think, kind of had a head start on this and the other streamers are catching up. And so in some ways, I kind of think it's unfair and I kind of think it's premature for the street to be so concerned about profits right now with streaming. But that's that's what Wall Street is looking at is like profits. So like, which again, so this is like not JPEG's fault, but like because this, this was always the plan, which is like put a ton of money into the streaming service grow subscribers and then try to profit off of it and now the, the street has kind of turned on that and said we no no we want to see profits now so when when chapek comes out and announces we go 1.5 billion dollar hit on streaming that's that's not good for the stock price you know what i mean yeah not great wow what a disaster I know, I know. It's very, it's very complicated. So now the question is, like, what does Iger do? Like, yeah, I was just gonna say, has he has he had any press conferences yet? Anything public? I mean, yeah, he's obviously undoing the the consolidation, giving more power back to creatives. He's he's undoing the DMED. He said that's going away. That's going to be gone, right? He's on. He's always undoing that. Um, he. he so, someone people people had speculated, like you know, Iger likes to buy stuff, right? Under Iger, Disney bought. Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and Bam Tech, right? Mm-hmm. Iger likes to buy stuff. So people were like, is Iger, has he got something up his sleeve to buy? And he already said, like, I got, I'm not, I'm not looking at a major acquisition right now. Oh, and Fox, of course, Fox. Um, but he said, I'm not looking at a major acquisition. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I, I think it's more about, cause, the, cause the other thing is like the idea is that this is a two year deal for Iger, which I doubt. I'm sure, I'm sure, I think it'll go to three, but you know, we'll see. It's a two-year deal with part of his contract is like he has to find a successor. So I, right. think, that, I think this is more about like let's kind of re-steer the company in a better direction, make the creatives feel better, uh, make Wall Street feel better, which is so interesting that, that Wall Street doesn't like Chapek because he's such a numbers guy. But it's, I guess it's just like his inability to handle like the creative part that like – but like it like bringing back Iger makes the creatives feel better. It makes Wall Street feel better. It, it, he can re pivot this ship, you know, reorient this company into to a better direction. Make people feel better about about who's in charge of this, and give him a chance to pick someone else as his successor. So, so I don't think he's made any extreme changes yet. I mean, it'll be you know so, but it'll. It'll be interesting to see what he does because he because I mean Disney has multiple problems right now. I mean they they have problems in streaming, they have problems in parks, right? Um, you know it's uh, it'll be interesting to see to see what he does. What what? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Uh, um, what do you what do you think? What do you think is going to happen to Hulu? What do you, what do you think? What do you think they should do with Hulu? Do you think they should keep it or sell it? <sighs> I mean. <laughs> I, I I have very little information to say whether they should keep it or sell it. I mean, I like Hulu. Um, I it's I use it uh, a lot actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, that might be the streaming service I use the most. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, wow. So I don't know. It, but at the same time, I feel like it's got the least interesting original stuff too. Like I I don't watch. I don't think I watch any originals on Hulu. So, so yeah, I mean, if it's not, if the originals aren't working out, maybe, maybe get rid of it. Um, I mean, if it could help you out or, or the other thing is like, which we we talked about before is like, just add the R rated stuff to Hulu instead of Disney plus, you know, if you want this like separation of space and maturity level, um, 
keep keep Hulu and add like rated R Disney content there. Yeah, because some people have said they should keep Hulu. I think most people say they should they should keep it. A lot of people think they should fold it into Disney Plus. Um, some people say that they should just they should what they should do really is just get rid of Hulu and take all the content and fold it into Disney Plus. Right, that's an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and other people have said. And I don't think this is like a majority or a lot of people are saying this, but it's an interesting idea, which is what if they just sell it off to Comcast, right? Because Comcast still owns 30% of Hulu, right? And Disney at some point, it, everyone assumes, is going to buy out that 30%, right? Mm-hmm. But there's an interesting idea of, you know, Peacock has not been working out well for comcast right right it's not not it's not doing great yeah there's nothing you know, there it's not a great platform who's a good platform it's a, it's a well-known recognizable brand name right if disney sells hulu to comcast then that would bring in a ton of money for disney and then they could you know they, they could they could offload one of these streaming services you know people have joked why disney have two streaming services disney plus and hulu um the i think i think the problem with that is that I think I think Comcast would want a lot of the IP because that's the thing is like Disney already has the IP and and the the properties and all the names and stuff from who from the Fox acquisition like a mm-hmm. lot of the good Hulu originals are are like FX on Hulu and 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 FX stuff that all can't they they got all that with the Fox acquisition they could just keep all that stuff and get rid of the, the Hulu as a platform keep all of the all of the 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 catalog and the IP but I I think I think the acquisition of i think the purchase of hulu wouldn't be appealing to comcast unless they got the catalog with it you know what i mean right and and at that point if, if disney had to get up, give up the catalog it's like well why are they selling like that 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 devalues it for them so i don't know it, it's an interesting idea i don't think that'll happen but it's an it's an interesting idea let me ask you about another another streaming thing as um not not well not necessarily just streaming thing but another brand that disney owns um espn should they keep it or should they sell it that one seems more complicated to me. Um, really? Yeah, I don't know. I, I like I, I associate them so closely together. Um, like, why? I don't know. Like, why? Wide World of Sports, ESPN. I mean, I don't know if that's still called ESPN's Wide World of Sports. I think they might have changed the name actually. Um, but I, I don't know. That that seems like a that seems like a place t- for like potential to me i mean I'm, I'm saying all this without like a lot of information here but i don't know so, like to own abc and espn and like so many like important sports things and like shows that people are watching sports fans are like very passionate people and they they, they tune in so that that seems like an area more for with more potential than than hulu to me if they got into um I mean, ESPN Plus is kind of a shitty service, um, so I don't know if they could like loop that into Disney Plus and make it better. Like, it, 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 there's there's decent content, not great content on ESPN Plus, but the the interface itself is terrible. So I don't know if that maybe if that could get looped into Disney Plus and might make for an improvement. But I don't know. Selling ESPN sounds weird to me. Selling ESPN sounds weird. Is that what, that's what you asked, right? Yeah, I, I and and I and I agree with you. I was that's why I was kind of surprised when you said it's it's more complicated because I I mean there have been a few people who have suggested Disney should just get out of the sports business or or at least get out of the business of like licensing sports games and things and with through ESPN and just just sell that off completely. 
me personally, I think that's a ridiculous idea. Uh, to me, it's it, that's crazy. I don't like. I think ESPN as a brand is extremely valuable, right? And it would it just seems crazy for Disney to get rid of it. it, it and I agree with you. ESPN Plus is kind of a shitty service, um, but I also think that you know sports is in this transition period right now where where people are getting off linear cable. Although the the decline of linear cable has been slower than than expected, but people are mm-hmm. are leaving for streaming, and so the question is how do you pivot sports from linear to streaming? And I think if there's one brand that can figure it out or if there's one brand that has enough audience following and loyalty to make the switch to streaming for a particular brand, it's ESPN. Right. Like, you know, and, and so I think it's, I think the ESPN name is, is valuable. And, and I think they could, they, if anybody's going to figure it out, if anyone's going to figure out how to bring sports to streaming, it's ESPN, it's Disney. Right. So like, and the other thing is like, is, the next the next deal the next like licensing agreement that's coming up for ESPN is the NBA and so it it's, it doesn't sound crazy to me that Bob Iger could sit down with Adam Silver who's the commissioner of the NBA and yep. say look we want to re up you know our our deal with the NBA and ESPN but we want to put more games on ESPN plus that seems plausible to me that wouldn't be crazy that wouldn't be a bad idea watching games on ESPN plus is like well rephrase watching espn plus games that are streaming on hulu is so easy like i don't don't know how it works where it's like there these platforms are connected but like a lot of a lot of espn plus games are streaming on hulu and like i can watch them on espn plus too but i'd rather just go to hulu because it's a way better app way better service um but it's but doing that is so simple like i just see like oh the bruins are on and they're on uh oh they're on espn plus i just open up hulu press I, it's like one of the first icons there when i when i open the app and i just press play and there it is it's 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 really simple to use i like it a lot and if, i mean if they could get that on uh, with the nba too i would i would use that a lot too yeah and and you know maybe part of that is they need to clean up their interface a little bit on the app i i haven't I've used the ESPN app a little bit, but not not a lot. Um, and maybe maybe you know maybe part of that is they got to fix the interface. Um, but I, I think in general the biggest problem is there's not a lot of good stuff on ESPN Plus. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's something that you know that that's th- th- these these are problems that like Bob Iger has to find a way to fix. Right. The other problem he has is parks. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Disneyland changed their rules for annual pass holders. Uh, so that annual, like they basically got rid of annual passes, and now there's like it's this so weird like reservation systems. Like people who live in Anaheim and are the kind of people who like go to Disney every weekend or like just on a whim with friends, like they're pissed, they're upset. You know what I mean? And like, and Chapek, he came from parks. That was where he came from, right? He was the head of the parks d- division, and it kind of seems like Chapek was the kind of guy who said like, "Well, Disney parks are always in demand, always profitable." Why don't we just increase ticket prices and you know and charge for things that used to be free, like the Genie Plus reservation, Fast Pass, whatever the hell that thing is, right? <laughs> used to be free. JPEG said, "Let's up the ticket prices. Let's 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 charge for things that used to be free. Like let's bring in more money to the parks, right?" And it seems it seems like when he was in charge of parks under Bob Iger, 
Bob Iger didn't let that happen. He was like, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. Because yeah. I think Bob Iger understands that like the Disney parks, not only should they be accessible, but like if people have a, a good experience in Disney theme parks, that builds brand loyalty. That builds like that love of the brand and the theme parks and the characters and, and that makes someone that's, that's the intangible unquantifiable stuff that, that is important for the lasting value of a brand. And Bob Iger understands that. And Chapek is just like, I don't understand all that. If we make the prices more, we'll hire, we'll make more money. You know what I mean? And so it kind of seems like as soon as Chapek got put in charge of the entire company, he was like, great up the prices on, on the park. Let's go. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and you know what happened? Just add one more lane to this highway. God, that's such a good analogy. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, he said, yeah, add another lane to the highway. Let's jack up the prices. And you know what happened is Disney made more money from parks. And you know what also happened? They pissed a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. Like that's not good for the brand. That's not like it's, you want people to feel good about Disney is supposed to be like, it's supposed to be family friendly and magical and special and different from all the other theme parks. And they're supposed to be the, you know, they're supposed to be a cut above all the rest. And when you're doing something like that, it makes people feel bad. So, so, you know, and of course, the other thing that JPEG messed up was the whole, which we're going to get to because there's a minor update here. We should just get into it now. But the whole Reedy Creek thing with Florida and DeSantis, I mean, JPEG handled that terribly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was it i mean he wasn't going to say anything about it and then he did and then that pissed off and he, like he just he doesn't know how to do politics like when you're the ceo of the walt disney company you kind of have to know how to do politics whether that's internally in the organization like when you're the, or when you're the ceo of most companies yeah 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 i mean that's that's absolutely true i mean people like you know bob Iger and tim cook like they they ha- they op- are operating on a world stage they are on the level of like world government leaders and they right. have to be able to talk in that way and work with – that's a complicated job. So, And Chapek just handled that, that, that terribly. Um, but yeah, I do, I do, have, a, I do have a little, a little Reedy Creek update for you here now that what I'm happened? back in charge. So there was an article published just a few days ago in the Financial Times. The headline is, Florida prepares U-turn on Disney's Don't Say Gay punishment. Uh, yeah, so remember that Florida passed the Don't Say Gay law. Uh, Disney came out and – spoke out against it well they didn't and then they got backlash for it and then they did and then desantis was like well if you're going to speak out against my laws then i'm going to take away reedy creek um and so okay so so here's some i'm just reading a bit from the article state lawmakers are working on a compromise that would allow disney to keep the arrangement largely in place with a few modifications so this again this is sort of a reiteration of the variety article from a a month or so a few months ago a couple couple months ago whenever that remember that Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Some believe the return of Bob Iger as CEO last month will help pave the way for a, resolu- for a resolution, according to people briefed on the plan. So apparently Financial Times has some sort of insider. They have someone they talk to. Randy Fine, the Republican lawmaker who drafted the law to end Disney's control over the 25,000-acre Reedy Creek property, said that Chapek's removal from executive office last week improved the chances that, quote, something will get sorted out over the district. Quote, it's easier to shift policy when you don't have to defend the old policy, Fine said. Quote, Chapek screwed up, but Bob Iger doesn't have to own that screw up. See, what's so funny about this to me is that the reason that there became a backlash against Disney is because Bob Iger was the first person to speak out against the law. 
Like, he spoke out before oh, really? Chapek and Disney. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Yeah. He tweeted uh, before before Disney or Chapek made a statement, like, because the, the President Biden had made a tweet about how he, he d- disagreed, doesn't like the bill, and he, he said it's hateful. And, and then Bob Iger quote tweeted the president and said, I'm with the president on this. If passed, this bill will put vulnerable young LGBTQ people in jeopardy. And then once Bob Iger tweeted that, people were like, yeah, why is Disney not saying something? And then it kind of like, you know, so, so the fact <laughs> could have that been like, solved so much quicker. <laughs> right. And so what's so funny is that like this, this guy, Randy Fine, the Republican who, who wrote the law. Now he's sitting there being like, oh, it's great that Bob Iger's back. And now he doesn't have to like own up to Alaska. It's like, it's like they, this guy has totally forgotten that Iger was the first person to speak out against it. Like, and, and he, but now yeah. he's sitting there like, oh, it's great that Iger's back. He doesn't have to own that dumbass move from the old guy. It's like the, it's like the dumbass move from the last. <laughs> no, he's going to do worse. I mean, it, it's just, it's so strange. So, and so, uh, so then there, so there was a town hall, uh, with, with employees where Iger said he was quote, he said, quote, sorry to see us get dragged into that battle over Reedy Creek. And he, and, but he said, you know, I need to get, I need time to get up to speed on, on what's going on. He said, Iger said, quote, what I can say, the state of Florida has been important to us for a long time, and we have been very important to the state of Florida. That is something I'm extremely mindful of and will articulate if I get a chance. Like, you see how he's, like, being so diplomatic about it? Like, he knows, see how he knows how to talk? Yeah, that's a very uh, well-put statement. And that's the thing about Iger is, like, when I listen to Chapek talk, it just sounds like, it just sounds like a numbers bean counter guy. And when I listen to Iger talk, like, he talked... Honestly, he talks like an Apple executive in the sense that he like he talks in a way that is like measured and smart, but still kind of sounds like a normal person. Right. Um, so so reading from the Financial Times article, Iger struck the right tone for reaching a compromise, said an influential figure in Florida state politics. They don't. So they're not naming their sources. Uh, quote, that was a good olive branch message to Disney employees and the state of Florida. It was a diplomatic kind of message that they're, they're quoting their anonymous source, I guess. Um Linda Stewart, a Democratic state senator who, repre- who, repre- who actually who represents that part of Orlando, said a potential compromise in her discussion would bar Disney from building a nuclear power plant or an airport on the property, which are things that they ca- technically can do, but they don't seem to have any interest in. Right. Why so, would they? Um, reading from the article, more significantly for DeSantis, there's also discussion of allowing the governor to appoint two members to the Reedy Creek Board. I think we kind of talked about that before. Um Quote, these compromises can be done with the least amount of impact, Linda Stewart said. Quote, we can't let the governor look like he lost, which is such a funny – like it, I feel like that says so much about the governor. Like, well, well even no, even if it doesn't change anything, it can't look like he lost. That's the most important right. thing. Which is yeah, exactly. it's just egomaniac. It's all about perception. Yeah, exactly. Um uh, again, so a source involved in Florida politics who asked not to be named said it seems like Disney and the legislature have motivation to make a deal. Nobody wants a train wreck, which is true. Um, so then the Financial Times, you know, they reached out to Governor DeSantis's office about this article that they're publishing, right? Because they have to get a statement from everybody, right? Uh, Disney declined to comment, of course, but they they reached out to DeSantis and his office, and DeSantis, uh, his office said, Governor DeSantis does not make U-turns. The governor was right to champion rem- removing the <laughs> extraordinary benefit given to one company through the Reedy Creek Improvement District. He added, quote, we will have an even playing field for business in Florida, and the state certainly owes no special favors to one company. Disney's debts will not fall on the taxpayers, ta- taxpayers of Florida. A plan is in the works and will be released soon. This is like the fifth time. That's such time. a funny statement. It's such a funny statement. And this is like the fifth time that like 
the governor's office has has made a statement or the governor himself has made a statement that is basically like hey we'll have a plan coming soon we'll be there soon any day now <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> just stay stay tuned Right. It's it's like it's like when Trump was president and like and like every other week it was like we have a great we have a great health care plan, brand new health care plan coming in two weeks. It's just two weeks away. Great plan. come And like the entire Trump administration, it was like there was always a great new health insurance health care plan coming in two weeks. It was always two weeks away. That's right. that's, what, that's what this reminds me of. So that's very exciting. Um, yeah. So that's that's the little really creepy. And, and another little nugget of information about this that I thought was interesting is. Uh, Scott Maxwell, who was a reporter for the Orlando Sentinel, um, according to him, I couldn't find like a direct source on this, but I mean, he's a reporter. I'm kind of I'm trusting him here, but um, you know, we just had the midterm elections, uh, you know, and um, the um, the state house district for for the the area that Disney sits on um, just changed uh, representative in, in the state in the state house. Uh, the state legislature actually flipped from uh, Democrat to Republican, um, but the uh, the Republican who now is in that seat that represents that area that represents the area that Disney's in, which which she was backed by the Republican Party of Florida, she has said she no longer believes Disney should have their special privileges revoked. Which is interesting that that the the representative for the area that Disney sits in, like even who was a Republican, is all is now saying like, yeah, they shouldn't they shouldn't undo that, like, yeah. Which I think is, I mean, I mean, she, I think, I think, I found one thing where it seems like she spoke on it, where she was like, you know, I support the parents' rights to blah 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 and not have our kids taught gay stuff. Like she had a statement like that, but also she was like, but also like I support like Disney shouldn't they they should just leave that like. So, you know, it, it, it just it keeps looking more and more like nothing's going to happen or not or nothing, <laughs> nothing really significant is going to change. And this is going to be, be thrilled. A, this is going to be a, a fat fucking L for for DeSantis. Well, well, it won't look like that, but right. Right. But, uh, you know, five minutes of research and it'll be like, oh, right. Nothing happened. <laughs> That's so funny. I would love if nothing happened. Yeah, that'd, that'd be uh, that'd be pretty great. So that's Disney updates. Um, you know that was that was uh, the Battle of the Bobs. Lots of Bobs. These are all good titles. I should write these down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I said I think no. It was it was too many Bobs is what I said. Not lots of Bobs. I said too many Bobs. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too many Bobs. Um, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Interesting timing because I just paid for Disney Plus for the first time in three years. I kind of forgot that. Oh was, my god. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because I, I got I got the I got the three year deal and like I kind of forgot about it. So like when I got the notice, like ninety dollars Disney Plus, I was like, right, I've got to have to pay for that. Like, <laughs> right, I did that once three years ago. That's right, hilarious. and then forgot about it. Like Disney Plus has felt free for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. But uh, but yeah, they did. I it, it did uh, go through before the price hike. I think there's a price hike coming this week or next for disney plus so i was lucky it, it kicked in before that happened so there you go um yeah another thing you know another thing chapek did to try to to try to boost you know money from that also i think i think there was a report that he he tried to disguise some of the losses from disney plus 
by taking things that were supposed to be Disney Plus shows and put and doing the thing where he's like, well, we'll put the first episode or two like on the Disney Channel, and that way he he's like, well, I can count it as like a show on Disney Channel and not a show on Disney Plus, which means I can hide the loss and say it's a loss <laughs> for Disney Channel, not for, which is like. That wow, like and and That's suppose so crazy. the other rumor that I think is sort of unsubstantiated, but but like the other rumor is that he was going to try to kind of blame some of the losses on his CFO, nice, and kind of shift the blame over to her. Like, well, this wasn't necessarily ma- like supposedly he was going to try to do that, and supposedly That's she, always good, yeah, exactly. And supposedly she was one of the ones who was like, okay, maybe we should bring back. Because it was it was like what eleven days, eighteen days, like it was like within a couple of weeks from the disastrous earnings call that Iger was brought back. So the rumor is that this this all came together late, um, and it's also interesting because like they re upped Chapek's contract for two years back in back in March, April, May, somewhere around there. They re upped his contract for two years, which it could have been three or four, but you know they they chose two, which is like not exactly the strongest vote of confidence. But I think it was kind of. I think the board was kind of like, well, if we if we don't renew his contract, like who do we put in? Who who do yeah. we pick? Like I don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? So I don't. I don't. You know. So I, I think. And then I think after the earnings call, they're like, okay, you know what? You're gone. Goodbye. We'll pay you off, and you're out. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see who Iger picks. Um, it'll be interesting. What'll be really interesting is also to see if he brings back anyone. Um, like because there were people who like Kevin Kevin Mayer was um he was sort of in charge of like the streaming stuff uh like at disney um under bob Iger, and he he was like by all accounts he was like bob Iger's right hand man and so when Iger left so did kevin mayer it would be interesting if bob Iger brings back kevin mayer and then like grooms him to be the next ceo you know what i mean yeah when i was talking to a disney employee the other day he did mention that there's like someone that everyone thinks is going to be the next ceo after bob but i can't can't remember the name but it's it's i don't know at least amongst some disney employees it sounds like oh yeah we've we've got a good idea of who's next yeah and 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 i think there was i think there was some little talk again some of these are like rumors and it's hard to know exactly like the best sources on this or where it's all coming from there was some talk that like or some maybe even just like guesswork going on that like maybe Iger wanted to pick Kevin Mayer or someone else to be the next CEO but the board was sort of down on that idea so he Iger was like all right well then how about all right my my third choice is Chapek how about how about him and like the board was okay with you know what I mean so like because it does seem odd that Iger is this guy who can balance these two these two parts of the creative and the business side so well and he picks right. someone who is so bad at the creative side and is such a bean counter and just cares about <laughs> money and spreadsheets and the bottom yeah, line exactly. it, it does seem odd and it makes you wonder like how much choice did i really have in that i you know it, it, we'll never know but um you know part of me thinks you know that's a really hard job to do to do the the business and the creative side to, to find one person who can manage both of that really well that's really difficult yeah, and that's tough you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of netflix netflix has two ceos for a reason right ted sarandos handles more of the creative stuff reed hastings handles more of the business stuff they're both C- they're co-ceos it's like uh it's like michael and jim oh my god yeah that's that run on the office yeah I, I, well, who's who's the one woman that comes in and like reorgs everything? Oh, Joe Bennett. 
Yeah, I love, love when she shows up and Jim is explaining that to her, and she's like, "So it sounds like you got two people doing the job of one." Yeah, <laughs> not not that that translate to this, but right, right. But no, I think this is a case where uh, two people doing one job actually might be a bit might be not a bad idea, might be a good idea yeah, actually, right? Because uh, it's really hard to do both of those things. So I don't know. It would be. It, I think in some ways, I think that would be. Uh, the most interesting solution. But hey, if Iger can find someone or set someone up to, to take over, you know, cause it, it's, it's, uh, cause JPEG was basically the operation. He was a good operations guy. You know what I mean? And so like when he got put in charge of like streaming and that's the, and the creative stuff, he was like, okay, we'll just like operationalize it to make as much money as possible. There you you know? And it's like, no, that doesn't work with creative. Like, <laughs> creatives make deals like over dinner. Creatives make deals right. over like, I like this guy. I want to work with him. You know what I mean? Like, or like, she's cool. Can she direct a movie? Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. that's how they do it. It's not based on bottom line necessarily. You know, so and that you know, so that, yeah. you know, that's hard for creatives to. It's hard for a, a, a total numbers guy like Chapek to understand that. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see exactly how this uh, how this all unfolds. Just uh, just a bombshell of a of a reveal of a of a press release that that Sunday night at eleven yeah. p.m. <laughs> Very exciting. So yeah, so and yeah, so that's um, that's that's Disney. I think I think that's all, I think that's all there is to say about it. Is this interesting to you? Do you care about this or? Yeah, it is interesting. Okay, it's very interesting. Yeah, I, 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 maybe the MCU will be good again. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. There was there you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because there was a there was a an article in a website called The Cosmic Circus. So, you know, take this with a fucking massive <laughs> grain of salt. What the fuck is sure. the Cosmic Circus? You don't know the Cosmic Circus? I don't actually, thank you, but I don't. Yeah, me um, neither. But anyway, so yeah. So after Deadline reported that Disney will, you know, face Quote, organizational and operating changes within the company to address the board's goals. Uh, you know, with you know, with uh, Iger coming back, there's a report on this website called The Cosmic Circus about Marvel. Here's the headline: Report Disney restructuring and how it affects Marvel Studios. Supposedly, Marvel Studios is going to be affected by this restructuring in in some in a major way or more than we think. This article is so long, and there's so much nonsense in it. Where's the good part? <laughs> what we heard, okay, what we heard re- regarding reevaluating the multiverse saga. We have received word from our sources. Mm, I don't know what that means. We have received word from our sources that Marvel Studios is currently reevaluating its release lineup for phases five and six. As phase four comes to a close, we've been informed of internal and negative feedback about how phase four was handled regarding product distribution and quality. This has led mm. to fear that phases five and six are headed in the same direction as phase four. Therefore, as a preventative measure to ensure quality control, Marvel and Disney are now reevaluating future releases. Moving forward, they're in- interested in pushing a quality over quantity approach to these phases as a way to address issues some audiences have with phase four. So, again, this is, you know. That's great news if it's true. Who knows what this source is? I've never heard of this website before, you know. And the yeah. other thing is, like, remember a couple months ago? Where, uh, what what was it? Armor Wars, um, it was it was it was going to be a TV show, and then they said no, it's going to be a movie, mm-hmm. right? Isn't isn't that what happened? And then I think did, so. Yeah, did that happen with Secret Wars too, or or Secret Invasion? Is that it? Secret Invasion is going to be a movie now. Am I am I making that up? Was it was it just Armor Wars? 
I don't think I heard that about Secret Invasion. You're right. You're right. That's it. still a TV series. Well, six, six, six episodes. Okay. Yeah. So it was. It was just Armor Wars. So like, here. So here's my question: Is is this one of those situations where this person's source is kind of out of date in the sense that? maybe marvel already came up came up with this idea to sort of restructure things and rethink things maybe they already came up with this idea a few months ago and and changing armor wars from a from a a series to a movie was part of that internal readjustment that already started happening months ago and it's just now that this source is like finding out about it and leaking it you know what i mean because that happens you know what i mean we're we're by the time news from a major company by the time that news finally gets down to someone who's like low enough on the totem pole that they would like actually leak it to some weird outlet it's like old news yeah it's been in the works you know what i mean so i'm wondering if it's one of those situations but um yeah so you know take that for what it's worth which is you know who knows but um yeah i think i think there was talk that like when Iger first was launching disney plus there was talk that he, he wanted to do a thing where it was like there was a group of people who would decide, okay, Disney Plus, you know, we want X number of slots for Marvel stuff on Disney Plus. We want X number of slots for Star Wars stuff on Disney Plus. We want X number of slots for Pixar stuff on and they would just go to each of those people and be like and be like, We're not telling you how to spend money. We're not telling you what to do or what not to do or who to work with, who not to work with, but we do need you to fill these slots. That was sort of Bob Iger's idea. This many shows, this many movies. Yeah, yeah, not even movies, not even and not, not even saying movies or shows, but just being like, we need something here from your studio on Disney+. Gotcha. Plus. It could be a movie, it could be a series, it could be a short, it could be an animated. We don't really care, we just want something, You, but you are you creatively have the control to decide what that means, right? That was, I think that was sort of Iger's idea for how he wanted to do Disney+, Plus. and that way there's sort of a balancing act between like someone who has to like manage what Disney, as a tech streaming company which it kind of is now and then also but also still managing like giving creatives control and that was probably that seemed like a good compromise so mm-hmm. i don't know if, if he'll end up doing that that was that was supposedly his original idea back you know back before he left but you know so who knows if that that'll end up happening it's it's all it's all interesting it's just i'm fascinated by by giant companies and how they and how they work and how they operate especially ones right. that are kind of flailing right now right yeah it's 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 weird God, so complicated. They're like they're like their own governments. They they really are like on that scale. Yeah, it's it's true. <laughs> How come Apple doesn't buy Disney? How about that? Oh, wasn't that one of the rumors that they like shut down immediately? Like that was yeah. a rumor that like Apple was going to buy Disney, and they were like, no, that's not. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how that got started, but it's, it's a funny idea. It, yeah, it doesn't really make sense for either company, no. I think. I don't no. think Disney, you know, wants to be underneath Apple. Like, I think they want yeah. to be their own brand, right? And I right. don't think Apple wants to be involved in theme parks and no. linear TV. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's, uh, I think it just sounds trendy. Oh, that could be a thing. Yeah, yeah, that could. I mean, I remember when, when like in the first couple of days that when Iger was back, people were like, "Is Disney going to buy Netflix? Could that be a big acquisition for Bob? He likes to buy things, you know." But I think he said he doesn't have any major acquisitions. The the only other thing that I think would be interesting for Bob Iger to do uh, uh, with his return to Disney, if he did want to buy something, is you know Disney has linear cable channels, they have sports, they have streaming, they have theme parks. There's kind of one thing in like media entertainment that Disney is missing out on. Can you think of it? Do you know what it is? Some 
think Disney is missing in media entertainment. I'll tell you what mm. I think they're missing. Mm. Like, like, like a category, mm, a whole no, category of entertainment. They're just missing out. They just don't have anything. Uh, let me podcast, music, reality TV. Those are my guesses. Oh no, you're you're thinking you're thinking too small. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> category of entertainment. That's a fun question. Yeah. It's 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 a massive, massive thing in entertainment. Companies companies in this space are getting bought for billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. I don't know. What is it? Gaming. Oh, yeah, I should have thought of that. Does Disney have anything in gaming? I don't think so. Yeah. They got nothing. Wouldn't it be interesting if Disney bought like a gaming company? That would be interesting. You know. Probably won't. I mean happen. who makes who makes Disney games? Because I mean like over the years there have been plenty of Disney related games. I don't think I don't think there's a lot, but yeah, I think that's one of those things where they just like license IP out to different yeah, studios. Then I guess so, it, you know. But like they don't have anything in house that's being done with with gaming, right? Um, so it it would be interesting. I don't I don't know if they're going to pursue that. I, I think I think maybe they should eventually, but I don't know if that's a top priority right now. But it would be interesting. Yeah, no, that would be for sure. Anyway, all right, I think I'm really done on Disney now. All right, third time's a charm. Yeah, that's there we go. You get your Taylor Swift tickets? Uh, no, they're not for sale. <laughs> well, they are. They're just twelve thousand dollars. Does that bother you? Right. Um. Yeah. I was. My budget was ten thousand dollars. So. Oh man, just just over, just a little bit over. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I wrote down the Taylor Swift tickets thing because like it seemed like it was such a massive story, and now it's been like a couple weeks, and it's like everyone either got their tickets or they didn't. The DOJ is investigating Ticketmaster for monopolization, I think, and Swifties <laughs> yeah. are suing Ticketmaster. Like, it's like, okay, it seems like something's gonna. It seems like something might happen here. I don't know. We'll see. Right? Yeah. No, I think it's great. I hate Ticketmaster so much. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Did you hear? Did you hear Reconcilable Differences Syracuse's idea for yes. what to do? Yes, I did. Wasn't it sounded like, a lot better? His idea was like it's a lottery. And then if you get chosen, you have like a 30 minute window to like buy your tickets. And then the next person has a 30 minute window to buy it. And like it, and it just, and his idea was so funny because it was, because it was like, it would take weeks and weeks or, or months to sell all the tickets. If you're doing one person buys tickets at a time, like it would be months, but the concert is in a year. Who cares? Right. Yeah. Like, I think, I think that's such a great idea. And, and I, I, it's funny. I told this, I pitched this idea to Jamie. I told her about it because, you know, Jamie, my roommate, Jamie loves going to concerts you know always has to fight with Ticketmaster. she got taylor swift tickets so she's thrilled about that but i i asked her but i asked her about this idea she goes no but i feel like that would take away like my control over like as a customer i feel like it would take away my control and i'm like yeah but it would it would be easier to make more sense she goes i know but it would it would and she goes i, I think you're probably right but it would it would feel like i have less control <laughs> i don't think you have much control now <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I feel too, but it's like, you know, it, I, it's, um, you know, she, her idea was, she said, well, you know, like artists should have their own like subscription service where like you pay a yearly fee to be like part of like the Taylor Swift fan club. And then you get special. Cause like the, the way they did it for the reputation tour was great where it was like, the more you bought from Taylor Swift, like the more points you got, the more you watch her videos, the more points you got and the more points you had, like the better chance you had. In you know, in the Ticketmaster verified fan sale, you know. But then this year they said, okay, we're going to do the verified fan thing, so that you know you, you have you have to be a verified fan, 
in order to get tickets, right? Which sounds good. No bots and scalpers, right? But you know what the criteria was to be a verified fan on Ticketmaster this time around? A couple clicks of a button? You had to have a Ticketmaster account. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Having a Ticketmaster account, you can't be a bot or a scalper with a Ticketmaster account. No. No, certainly. Like, so, th- yeah. So that whole system was just crazy. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think, I, I think there's a weird thing about ticketing where people have this idea that, like, all the tickets have to go on sale at once, which is stupid. Who said that? Why does that have to be? Why, who made up that rule? That's dumb. Mm-hmm. There's this weird idea that it has to be like, like, you like you have to punish yourself in order to get good tickets. Like, like right. I sat here on the computer for eight hours, and therefore I should have tick. I should be able to get like it's like it's this weird like self mutilation idea of like the people who suffer the most and right. like do and like. <laughs> And just kill themselves and put in the worst, the the most work and just have the worst experience. Their suffering means that they deserve tickets, which on yeah. some level I get. Like if I suffer and I take time off work and I sit on the computer for eight hours and like and I don't get tickets, I get it. I'm pissed. But on another level, it's like why does torture have to be involved in <laughs> right. the ticket buying process? Like that's got to be a better way. Yeah, it's just it's really. The whole system is really weird. I'm glad I don't go to. I'm glad I don't go to concerts too much, or don't or don't care too much about it because yeah, I, I you know getting my Chemical Romance tickets was a pain in the ass enough. I don't want to do that again. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just such a bad system. Like the the idea that these tickets will go on sale at 10 a.m. on a weekday when tons of people are working and can't don't have the luxury to be on standby at a computer. They're just going to go on sale and you get them now or you don't. And the idea that you don't know what the price is before before they right. go on sale is crazy to me. I mean, I, I've had the conversation several times before where it's like someone asked me if I'm interested in going to a show. And I'm like, uh, well, what, what are the tickets like? What, what, what are the prices? And they're like, oh, we don't know yet. And I say, oh, well, I, I'd be interested in it at 50 bucks or so. You know, what, what, I'd be interested at 100 bucks for this concert if it's, if it's around there. Um, I'm in. And it's like, no, we, we don't, we don't have the luxury to be able to like help you with that. It's like, I, I, you need to commit now, regardless of what the price is, because I either need to buy three or four tickets and I can't just wait around and just say like, Hey, I'm looking at some tickets now. Um, they're 120 plus fees. I know that's more than you wanted. How about that? Sure. Sounds good. Oh, they're sold now. Sorry. We can't go anymore. You know, like that, that's how it works now. It's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really bad. There's this, I think, and I also think there's this idea built into like ticket buying, which is like, it has to be like first come first serve, which is yeah. where like the torture element comes in. Well, it's like, well, I sat outside the ticket booth for eight. I camped out overnight for eleven hours and sitting outside the ticket booth, and there so that I could be the first one to buy tickets, and therefore I should be rewarded for that. And like, I don't know, I get, I get the idea of doing things like first come first serve in a way that makes sense. But when you have millions and millions and millions of people trying to get tickets to, you know. A, a shows that only hold 50,000 people or whatever like it, 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 first come first serve is just going to it's just going to make everybody miserable you know mm-hmm. i don't know and i also think like when you have an artist as big as Taylor Swift like that's that's the time when you should be able to experiment like that's your chance to do something different i don't know yeah i i know she met with all of them before and it was like so 
everything's going to go good. There's going to be no problems. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we got this covered. And then whatever. And Taylor Swift is probably pissed because, like, she loves money. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, she's put out a few statements. Well, I mean, has she lost money on this? <laughs> I well, doubt it. If tickets are, if tickets are being resold for $10,000, she's not seeing that money. Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time, though. Right, but don't you think the artist wants that money? Yeah, no, I mean, it does, doesn't make it right, but I don't know. I yeah, no, like that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's kind of, it's kind of fucked up that, like, you know, scalpers can sell tickets for $10,000, $12,000, and the artist is like, well, why aren't, why aren't I seeing that money? Like, <laughs> right, right. Either give it directly, to, either sell it directly to a fan, or I should get a cut of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, well, you know what's easy to buy tickets for is the movies. Right. That's least, always least, been easy. At least that's pretty easy. Yeah, so you want to Except each... when Endgame came out. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Although even that wasn't too bad, I feel like. I don't know. I don't remember stressing out about that. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Um, you and I each saw Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had we have, we had different thoughts about that. I think you and I just enjoy those like movies on like differently. Like I think I just get such a kick out of like the whole mystery box and the movie you're watching isn't what you think it is. And it's like I don't know. I like I I enjoy those. I think those movies so much. Just they just they just scratch the right itch on my brain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So like, and that's like that's subjective. I'm not. I don't want to like you know litigate like why didn't you like this movie as much as I did. <laughs> Um, you know what I mean? But, yeah. Um, what do you think about Netflix bringing it to theaters for one week only? I thought it was great. I I think it's a great idea. I don't know, especially the f- first time you saw a Netflix movie in theaters. Yeah, yeah, it is. Me too. It's, I don't know, just as, especially for a movie that's going to be as popular as this one is. Like, there's I don't know, there's so many Netflix movies that come out and like you don't you don't. You know, you've never heard of the movie until it's on Netflix, you know? Right. Whereas, whereas this is, like, the rare exception. It's like, oh, this is coming to Netflix, and I'm excited about it. So, I, the fact that it's in theaters is great, and it's, I don't know, it's made it's made by a good director who's, like, a movie you would want to see on the screen. So, the big screen, that is. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. Um, I kind of wish it was in theaters longer. I didn't realize it was only a week. Um, I feel like uh, a lot more people might have seen it. Yeah, well, do you know how this movie has done at the box office? Mm-mm. Matt, Glass Onion, I mean, granted, it was only in 650 theaters, okay? It wasn't in, like, thousands of theaters across the country like like a new Marvel movie. It was about 650. So, mm-hmm. you know. And, again, this is not, like, a, a mega, mega blockbuster movie, okay? But for what this movie is, for the number of screens that it was on – this film did fucking gangbusters at the box office. Yeah. It did real it did really well. To the point where there was like discourse on the internet about like why are they not keeping this in theaters longer? They could right. can make so much money. Like I mean, and supposedly it was Ryan Johnson, right? Cuz creatives, especially big directors like that, they want they want a theatrical release, right? And so Ryan Johnson I think pushed for theatrical and and Netflix was like, "We'll give you a week." You know, and they and they partnered with the big, you know, theater chains, AMC, Real. They partnered with and and they said because normally those theater chains they boycott Netflix movies because they say no, we don't want that. It's too it goes too quickly to streaming. We don't want a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. So, so so Netflix and the and the theaters reached a deal where because uh, normally the ticket sales like it's like split like 70 30 like 70 goes to the studio 30 percent goes to the movie theater right which is yeah, why your popcorn pennies. is so expensive right right um 
but supposedly Netflix reached a deal with the, with the theaters that was like, hey, give it to us for one week only, um, and then and then it won't be on Netflix for a month after that. And then and we'll also split ticket sales like fifty fifty is supposedly what the deal they made. Hmm. So the theaters were like, okay, we'll take that deal, and it did. Yeah. It did really well. Like, again, like for a sort of like mid more mid budget movie that's not like major franchise IP. It, right. Like the per screen average was pretty good. Oh, I, I bet. mean, it did better than Strange World. But, oh, that's not. <laughs> That's not a hard bar to clear, right? Go woke, go broke. Another one of Bob Iger's problems is like, how do you, right? You know, um, but uh, but yeah. So this this film did well. Did the movie did well? Did well at the, at the box office? You know, all things considered, and um, people are like, why is it not in theaters longer? And there's a decent argument to made that Netflix should be willing to put their movies in theaters like this because it it would make them more money, and the data shows. Over and over again, the data shows that when you put a movie in theaters, that builds hype and builds demand for when it inevitably goes to streaming. Yeah, because yeah, you got tons more people talking about it. Right, exactly. Versus just drop a movie on Netflix one day. Maybe people will talk about it for a weekend or a week, maybe two mm-hmm. if you're lucky. But other than that, not talking about it. Whereas you put a movie in theaters for a couple of weeks, even a month, you know – People will talk about it. People will go see it. Netflix will bring in money. And then we get people excited for like, oh, I can't wait till it comes to Netflix now. You know, so it, it works. It always works. It's, it's you know, it's that's, – that's what, that's what made me realize like, oh, the theaters and, and theater the mo- you know, blockbuster movies being in theaters, that's really not going to go away. You know, because for a while I was like really down on theaters. I, you know, nothing should be in theaters. I want everything to be day and date on streaming and in theaters. But the data, the data shows over and over again. Put movies in put movies in theaters, and then it will it will do better on streaming because it builds it builds hype it builds uh, demand. So it's it's kind of odd that Netflix doesn't do it more. Maybe it's a way to save like two two industries in a way. Like ne- Netflix has been bleeding money, and this generates more hype for them for when this drops. And the 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 theaters are like you know somewhat of a dying business as well. If they're getting a fifty fifty split versus a seventy thirty split, then that's great for them too. Like seem this seems like a win win across the board. Right, right, yeah, no, so right. I mean, I, and I think really it's just Netflix being stubborn. I think they're just very, I think they're just very stubborn about like no, we don't, we don't want to be in that business. We like doing things on streaming. We're a streaming business. That's our main priority. We don't really like doing things in theaters. I think they're just being kind of stubborn on that and uh and it'd be i don't know i kind of kind of hope they get more flexible well money usually makes people change their minds so maybe the the positive uh turnout at the box office will change things uh yeah i mean uh so i I, if i'm hearing you correctly what you're saying is that uh money talks and bullshit walks yeah usually usually yeah that's that's a good it's a good point yeah so we'll see if we'll see what happens with netflix on that maybe maybe they'll do maybe they'll do that more who knows wild cool you watched the world cup speaking of stuff to watch did you watch the world cup you did well we we were both watching it kind of the same time right yeah i've been i mean it's it's on at great times for me all the games are like 10 a.m or 2 p.m which is perfect to put on like while i'm working like soccer is one of those things you can kind of just listen to in a way and then put your head up whenever something exciting happens so um yeah, it's, it's, I've I've had most of the games on the last couple of weeks. Um, it's been fun. I always enjoy the World Cup. Yeah, I, I've I've only been watching. Um, I only watched the U.S. play 
Um, and now, of course, now they're eliminated. So now I'm not watching it at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. You know, I, I kind of, I think I was thinking about this because it's, it's, you know, I hate sports. Um, that's kind of the joke about me, right? That's everyone thinks that Tyler hates sports, right? And, uh, I was thinking about like, why am I, why am I watching soccer? Why am I watching this? Like, why, right. why are you? Why am I enjoying this? Right. I think I figured a couple things out. Hmm. One, I do just kind of find the sport entertaining. It's a good sport. Two, I love, I love that the clock doesn't stop. Right. I love no, it. Great. I love it so much. You know, it, like I just, I love that like substitutions, injuries, whatever, the clock keeps going. It just, it it's just. a great feature. It's a great feature. It just makes me feel like, yeah, like we're, we, we got to keep going. Like, I, like, I feel like every other sport, especially American football, it's the clock is like, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. Hold on. We got to do this. Hold wait for this. Hold on. We go to commercial. Oh, we're cutting back to the, and it's just, and it's just like, it's maddening. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so frustrating. Like, at least, at least with this, it's like, it feels like, well, we're always going, so you can't stop. Like it, you know, right. it just. It, it's it's more fun that way, I think. And then, of course, they do stoppage time. But again, it's like it feels like we just keep going. We just keep going. You know, it's and and I also was also great about it is because the clock never stops. You know, roughly how long every game is going to be. Yeah, it's you know, it's I mean? nice to know that like this will be over in two hours or less. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, two hours. Like, I mean, there's no maximum really. I mean, I don't know, what, what's the most you could have like 10 minutes of stoppage time in each half and that would be extremely rare could happen, I guess. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean like roughly two hours is what you're looking at with like a football game or a baseball game. Oh, you're looking at three if, if, hours if, minimum. Yeah. If, if you're DVRing that, like, like record it for f- four or five hours, it's like, God forbid it goes to overtime or extra innings. Right. I mean, I mean and number- even o- soccer overtime, you know how long that's going to be. If that ever happens. Right. 30 minutes. Yep. Um, yeah. No, it's like, what was that study that was done? This is several years ago now. Maybe it's out of date. But like, you know, uh, in, a, in a four-hour football game, there's like 16 minutes of actual play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's about <laughs> the American same in baseball. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. So like I, I do I do like that about, about uh, soccer, as we call it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and um, – but the other thing I think I like about it is – and this is very – american centric this is just my experience as you know as an american living in america but like because nobody cares about soccer here i feel like it's the one sport that like doesn't have this cultural baggage of like people being assholes annoying sports fans crazy fanatics about you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. every other sport i feel like is sort of like tainted by lunatics yeah in in america and soccer to me is like the one sport that isn't tainted by that because it's just like because like the the people around me don't care about it so like i get i get to watch it as like as like an outsider i get to watch it as like this is a sport from another planet (laughs) you know what i mean that's hilarious that's kind of how i feel yeah, and, I mean, and, and go, then, go go over to Europe and you'll think quite differently. But I think no, you're right over here. No, I absolutely, totally, totally agree. They get they get crazy over there, right? But like, I don't, I'm not over there. So like, it, for me personally, right. it's not, it's not like tainted in any way by by psycho sports fans, right? I get yeah. to just kind of put it on, enjoy it without any cultural baggage, and then two hours later, I move on with my day. It's fantastic, yeah. right? <laughs> 
I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. No, I, I don't know. There is something about the fact that it's countries too that I think is like makes it so much more fun. Like, I, like, there's. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to go to a. a usa soccer watch party and get in a fight with the guy who's rooting for portugal you know like <laughs> like that guy's not there we're all we're all rooting for the same team it's right. it's a fun cultural patriotic thing um i don't know that's something nice about that like yeah all, all these people they're they're from where you're from you like them and they're they're playing for their country they say that all the time it's cool it's unique yeah yeah it is it is fun Speaking of sports, we went. To, we, you, you and I went to a Bruins game. Yeah, we went to a little hockey that. game. Yeah, we we went. We went and saw hockey. We went and saw Bruins Bruins at Lightning. Yeah, that was fun. Was, uh, which was kind of fun. Did you have any thoughts on that? I do because I'm a non sports person in a sports environment, <laughs> so I had thoughts. But I want to let you go first. Um, I mean, I, I had a good time. It was my second game um, at that arena. My first ever Bruins game. Um, I mean, I, I guess the most fun thing for me was like hearing several people around me at the event saying like, as, as long as Brad Marchand doesn't score, I'll be fine. Anyone but Brad Marchand. And then Brad Marchand scored. And it was, it was so funny. <laughs> everyone was so furious. Um, every, everyone loves to hate that guy, which I think is great. Um, but that, that was, that was fun for me. Um, I don't think I have too many other thoughts on it. It was, uh, it was a good game. Good, good game for me. Cause we, we won pretty easily. Yeah, I, 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 my thoughts on it are, it, it was, it was just kind of fun to, um, to play in the sports space title. You know what I mean? Like, like in the in the sense of like, I get to come here and pretend like I'm I'm in the sports group. <laughs> I'm a sports fan. Like, like right. I'm gonna do the thing where it's like, oh, don't don't jinx it. Don't say the wrong thing. Like when I'm at home and I watch TV, like you know. I'll I'll say like oh what if this happened and everyone's like oh, don't no don't say that you you'll, you'll jinx it you know what I mean and I'm mm-hmm. like that's stupid that's silly but when I'm there I'm like no I get to play along like I'm gonna I'm gonna oh don't say that I'll jinx it I play along I play along with the rivalries you know what I mean I play along with the chanting for my team and the booing right. the other team and like, like yeah. we're we're having we're, it's it we're ha- where I'm to me for me it's fun to me it's like I'm we're, I'm I'm playing a game. We're pretending, right? Like it's yeah. Because I don't. I'm not super invested in in the teams or the rivalries in any major way, right? I have. I always rooting for the Bruins, you know. Uh, but like you know, it's not going to break my heart if they lose. You know what I mean? Right. They didn't thankfully, so that was fun. But you know, it was it was. Um, I don't know. I felt like I, I felt like I was uh, I was uh, cosplaying as a sports fan. There you, know you go. I mean? That's a fun and experience. It was, it, was, it was kind of fun to to to. Have, to pretend like that you know right so um yeah it was that it was just kind of kind of a a fun experience it was you know that's and that's that's the things that like i do think are kind of are kind of fun about sports is that when you can keep it lighthearted and you can yeah. do like playful rivalries and like it that's the part that is fun it, it drives me crazy when people take that shit too far though you know mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah it's fun being there in person i mean yeah it's 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 fun just like watching the jumbotron and hearing people um hearing people do the chants and lead that and stuff like that it, yeah it's it when it when it's a, a healthy environment it's nice exactly when it's a healthy environment it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk about andor i didn't see the show you haven't watched it i haven't watched it <gasps> oh my god matt matthew hmm i think i need to come over and we need to watch it 
<laughs> All right. I, how have you not seen it yet? I don't know. Just haven't been super motivated to watch it. Haven't been super motivated to watch a lot of shows recently. No? What have you been watching? Uh, Survivor, Bachelor in Paradise. Um, that's about it. <laughs> what are you doing with the rest of your day? All that rock I've, climbing, I guess. I've been playing guitar a lot more recently. That's been fun. Oh, really? That's kind of taken up TV time a little bit. Um, what do you, are you what do you mean you're, you're you're practicing like chords you're learning songs or how, how yes. many hours a day you playing guitar well i started well i, I got a guitar a, f- a few years ago from a friend who was just like he worked at guitar center and was like hey if you ever have an interest you know i'll, I'll just give you this one that i have it's a, it's a real it's a real cheap guitar but whatever i don't care i'm a beginner um and over like since he got that for me I've like attempted to watch YouTube videos and learn. Um, I had, I had that video game for a little while that teaches you some things, but they're not really that good at getting you to learn um, how to play an instrument, especially like, especially YouTube videos. It's like you watch a YouTube video and a guy shows you five chords in 10 minutes. Like that's, that's like he, he, he taught you how to do the chords, but it's not, you're not gonna, it's not like you have them down after watching that video, unless you just, watch the video over and over and that's boring as hell so the the ways i was going about learning just weren't very effective and i was like you know what? I, sh- I i should just take this a little bit more seriously spend spend a little bit of money on it so i bought like a subscription to um musician which is this like instrument learning app and it's been great they've been um they've they like start you off at the beginning um and it's like all right we're gonna teach you the the e chord and then you do like you play like a bunch of songs using the e chord and the other chords that you had already learned and you do some exercises um and you do it over and over until you're like either like past the lesson or like feel comfortable enough to move on um and i feel like i'm actually learning something um so i've been i don't know i've been doing that for a couple of weeks now for like an hour or so a day. I don't want to play. Uh, that that's the one of the things where like whenever I play guitar like f- the fingers hurt obviously. Yeah. Um I think that'll go away. But also it's just like such a hunched over position that like when, whenever I'm done playing I need to just like lay down and stretch out my back a little <laughs> bit. So um yeah, not not like a crazy amount of time. I I could see that especially if you're like um if if you're like bent over like trying to look at where are my fingers going? Right. You know, like making sure you put them on the right frets and everything. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. I never, I never like, uh, I never like had a subscription or anything like that. Like the, the way I did it was I basically just like would go to Ultimate Guitar and like find a song I wanted to learn. And I would, and it gives you the chords, you know, for, you know, and then I would like, and you can, you can click on the chords or hover over the chords and it tells you like how to, how to, what frets to put, you know what I mean? And how to, Mm -hmm. how to play that chord. Yeah. And that's basically how I learned is just like, like memorizing like some of the more basic chords and then just like practicing songs I like. You know, there was, there was, I don't, I, I, you know, and that's probably why I'm not a very good guitar player because I never learned any sort of like formal method, but, uh. That that's pretty that's pretty much how I learned all the chords I know is just like I learned it on the internet while trying to play a song. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean that seems like how or 
that that'll get the job done. Like mo- most, you can be like very competent at guitar just by learning like the main six or seven chords and going from there. Right. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I've I've learned like five or six chords. Um, the, I mean the 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 best part about this for me is like t- teaching you to like switch from chord to chord and like getting getting the fingers moving the right way because like the youtube videos that i was talking about it's like all right this is an e chord and you strum it and they're like okay this is an a chord you strum that and and it's like right no you got you gotta you gotta play you gotta you gotta play these like one after another like in different orders like to get get the rhythm of moving your hand around um the fretboard so it's been a lot better yeah that's interesting that that's like part of the instructions because like uh, that, that they're teaching you because like that that's one of those things that like i never had anybody teach that to me i just like i i would just i would just try to play songs and if i had to go from e to a then i would just be like okay well how do i i just okay well my hands are here and now i gotta put them here i guess i'll just do that like it, it, it was just like it was one of the things i just kind of figured out for myself like or like yeah. what feels comfortable for me to move from to and from each chord you know that's kind of cool that they're incorporating that that little detail i never i never thought about that as like as as something you'd have to have to learn but yeah i guess i guess i did have to learn that because right it's not enough to just know the chord it's like how do you get there you yeah. know yeah exactly well that's really cool yeah no it's been fun i'm I'm enjoying it next time um, i come by i want to hear you play something <laughs> i don't I, I don't think i know any songs yet i mean i'm sure i'm sure there are songs that i could play but i'm not like not playing anything recognizable yet let me ask you a question if i pulled up a song with like you know four or five basic chords could you play along with the chords in front of you you think you're good enough to switch between chords like well well if you have it if you have in front of you yeah probably if it was um i mean if it it was easy enough and like maybe somewhat of a slow song and all i was doing was just like playing the chord like like getting the rhythm of like strumming down is a little bit harder still i'm sure i'll get there but like if someone else is like playing the main lead guitar and all i have to do is just like strum each chord along i I could i think i could do that right right yeah strumming is something i'm not i'm not great i mean well because different songs have like different different, like strumming patterns and stuff yeah and sometimes i can do it and sometimes like i can't and that's probably something that i should work on but i just don't (laughs) right you know, like sometimes it's like you can you can hear the strumming pattern. It's very clear. Like like Hotel California, I think of as a song where like even if you're not if you're not like plucking the chords, like you know playing it note by note, and you're just kind of strumming along, you can you can figure out like the way to strum Hotel California. Yeah, you know what I mean because it's it's so distinctive the sound of it. And then there's other songs like like that funny feeling by Bo Burnham is one where. I don't think I'm I, like I, I'll play that song by myself sometimes, and I'm like I don't think I have the strumming right. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how. Like I don't know. I can't figure it out. Quite. I don't know. Yeah, something about it. Hmm. Yeah, that's funny. That because that to me that like sounds like an easy song, but like you sit down and play it, it might be completely different. Yeah, and like the chords are pretty easy. It's just like I don't know the strumming pattern of it, and and then especially like especially like if I'm just by myself in my room, and I'm like like. And I'm trying to like play and like sing the song to kind of like help keep time, and because I, you know, mm-hmm. I like playing and singing along to it. You know, it's like trying to do the the correct strumming pattern while like singing and remembering the word. Like that's all. It's complicated playing playing an instrument, especially singing along, is uh, you know, 
a little more complicated than you think it might be. Oh yeah, definitely. I've always thought singing and drumming at the same time would be really hard. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I think I think I did that once on Rock Band. Yeah, just to just to try it, and it was like, yeah, it's it's you it, it you got to like really know the song, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Which I guess if you're like in a band and you wrote it, like maybe you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's how but, that's how the Eagles do it. Whenever it's a Don Henley song, right? I forgot they have their drummer sing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always interesting when a band has the drummer sing. Right. It's, yeah. When I saw the Eagles live, it's such a such a different experience. <laughs> Usually, like lead singer is like center stage. <laughs> you know, he's like up there yeah. in the back. Queen has a, has a song or two where the the drummer sings. I forget his name. Yeah, not many though. Yeah, Green Day's got a song where Trey Cool sings. Yeah, it's a good song. Well, it sounds like you and I should get together soon. We should play guitar. We should form a band. There we go. And then we should watch TV. So Andor was good. Had a good good um, beginning, middle, and end. Oh, my God. I thought it was fantastic. Matt, I don't know how you're not watching this. It's It's – I mean, look, I know we're not at, like, our year in review, like, you know – Acrasia wrapped episode yet okay but for, for i'm just teasing it what this is one of the best shows of the year this is this really is high, on, this is high on my list higher than white lotus i think so i mean white lotus wow. is great this season white lotus yeah. is great are you watching no oh well then why'd you bring it up because everyone's talking about it why aren't you watching that that's that's easy that's there's no baggage is it i don't know i don't know anything about it hmm how long are the episodes? I mean, like, you know, 50 minutes. 50 minutes, Jesus. Yeah, I think it's seven episodes a season, something like that. I don't know. It's not bad. But, but yeah, and, no, Andor was fantastic, you know, and, and it's one of those, th- and, and you know what's funny? It's the, like, least watched Star Wars show that they've that's done so, so far. That's so funny. That's hilarious. You know? Which is so funny because it's like, Star Wars fans have said, oh, we want something more grown up. We want something more adult. And then, like, Tony Gilroy gives it to them. And they're like, no, <laughs> no, not interested. It, it's like it's so it's, and it's so interesting because it's like it's like um, every other Star Wars show is like I had action figures when I was a kid. I'm gonna make them fight each other. Here's a show about that. Right. And Tony Gilroy comes in and he's like, "There's one way out of fascism, and it is armed revolution." <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> awesome. It's so cool. That's great. It, no, it's 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 not a great star wars show it's just a great show if you took star wars out of it it would still be a fantastic show yeah you know that's nice which is what they should be doing and in some ways i and but I, I do think in some ways it like first of all i think people people will come back to the show i think like it's got low viewership now but once season two comes around and it connects back more to rogue one i think people will come back to it and find it so yeah. i'm not too worried about that but but i also think that andor is so 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 important for like the star wars brand because it shows that not everything needs to be the same like tone or vibe or feeling, you right. know, and like same characters too. Yeah, like it shows like you don't like you don't need to do that. Like you can do original characters with a totally different vibe, totally different story, style, feeling, um, philosophy. Like the thing that the thing that I think is so interesting about it uh, is that the Star Wars movies and the. the like, the Star Wars movies have these themes of, like, hope and kindness and, like, 
kind of like optimism. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like kindness, uh, kinship, love. You know these these are sort of themes of Star Wars, right? And and it and every movie, all the movies and all the stuff that's, that's come out has has sort of taken the attitude of like you know these these themes and these feelings are sort of fundamental to what Star Wars is as a franchise. And what's so interesting about the Andor series is that this is a show about people who don't have any of that and don't believe in any of that or can't believe in any of that these are the people who like work in the shadows the people who are like working secretly in the darkness for the rebellion you know in a way that in a very very morally gray way and they're not like perfectly clean-cut heroes who just like I believe in love and love and kindness will win out in the end. Like no, these are the people who are like willing to do like bad, awful things in the name of a good cause. Which is like like these 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 are the people who like had to do the the difficult things and the morally ambiguous things in order for the more like you know wide-eyed optimistic types from the movies to succeed yeah you know what i mean and it's so fascinating yeah, that's cool it's so fascinating to see this show like very openly say like star wars doesn't have to have these star wars can be anything it can have a totally different theme totally different philosophy to it with characters who are not who don't have the same you know wide-eyed optimism and you know what i mean like it 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 shows it shows that this this that the universe of Star Wars is flexible enough to accommodate something like this, you know, and I, and I think that's I think that's fascinating. I think it's good for the brand of Star Wars for people to see this that this the Star Wars universe can can be anything and do anything, and I would love it if Marvel did something like this. I was gonna say if Disney needs anything right now, it is innovation in storytelling because man, is it getting bland. Yeah, well, I mean, it, their two biggest franchises are people are getting fatigue, right? Are, right, exactly. I mean, I mean, it, on some level, they're not being fatigued because, for the most part, people are still watching Marvel movies and Star Wars shows. This is sort of this is sort of an outlier in yeah. terms of how low the the viewers numbers are, but for right. the most part, people are still watching. So, I do see. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think like. I don't think numbers are down substantially or anything if they are at all in terms of like popularity and revenue. I don't know that. I have a feeling it hasn't changed as much or hasn't changed a lot at least, but I do feel like like public opinion and just interacting with other people like the opinion is much lower than it used to be. Like there's like there's like so many more jokes on the internet online like making fun of Marvel, Marvel stuff than there ever was before. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that like pe- people are still tuning in, but people are like realizing like, oh yeah, this isn't this isn't as good anymore. <laughs> right. So so maybe we're starting to see the beginning of the of the fatigue where maybe yeah, maybe we'll start possible. to hit a point where you know because it's it's for the last year it's been like people complaining but still watching. You know what I mean? I wonder if that'll change. I think it's interesting that neither of us have gone to see Black Panther yet. Yeah, yeah. It's been out like three weeks or something, and mm-hmm. it's and we still haven't seen it because yeah, I kind of the last time I hadn't seen a Marvel movie in this long. Yeah, and I kind of don't care. Like when I went and saw Glass Onion, I came home and I, I told my roommate Alex because he, he was interested in the movie too. I told I told him I'm like, yeah, it was great. You can't wait for you to see it when it comes to Netflix because it was it was really good. And he goes, 
I'm surprised you went to the movies and saw Glass Onion and not Black Panther. <laughs> and I was like, can I be honest with you, Alex? I'm not. I forgot Black Panther was out. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but Glass Onion, I was on top of that. I was excited about that. And I I loved it. I thought it was great. But So um, when I when I went to go see Glass Onion, um, I, w- I was hanging out with a few people. And a couple of us had the idea. It was like, you know what I want to do today? I, I want to go to the movies. I don't, I don't, I don't know what movie I want to see, but like, we're going to have a slow, chill day. Let's go to the movies. And I was like, that sounds great. And I, I love that idea. And so I went online, like looking to see what's in theaters, like only knowing, like, Ugh, I know black Panthers in theaters and like, oh, interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll suggest that if nothing else looks good, um, right, but I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm hoping there's something better. And I looked online, and Glass Onion was there, and I was like, "Oh my god! Thank God! This is this is great. <laughs> we're we're gonna see an actually good movie. I'm so happy." Yeah, yeah. I I, I do I do want to talk to you about that about that movie off air. I don't want to do a whole spoiler slot on it, but we should okay. we should talk about that because I'm interested in in some of your thoughts on a couple of the things. Sure. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I I uh, that that's funny that you like check the movies going. Oh, I don't want to see Black. Don't make me yeah, watch Black Panther. Give me anything but Black Panther. That's so funny. Yeah, um, should we just wait till it comes to streaming? I think we should just wait. Yeah, I mean, unless someone unless someone asks me to go, wanting to go see it, um, I have no plans. And I don't know. It's come up where it's like I've had a few hours on the weekend, and I'm like, huh, maybe I'll go see that. Maybe I'll text so and so, and I'm like. I don't want to though. I just don't want to. <laughs> All right, I'm looking up. When does this come to Disney Plus? Okay, so I, I think they haven't. I think they haven't announced it officially. I'm seeing an article that's like estimating based on previous movies. Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness dropped on Disney Plus 46 days after release. Thor: Love and Thunder it was 62 days after theatrical release. So. Yeah, I mean, probably early 2023. I wonder if the holidays will play into that at all. Maybe it'll be a little bit delayed because people are seeing movies around Christmas. Yeah, but you got to remember Avatar is coming out or came out. I don't know. I don't I don't right. care, so I'm not paying attention to it. But I think that is going to take up a majority of what people are going to the movies to see after a certain point. Yeah, I can't wait for that to come out. You really interested in this? Uh, No, I, I, I'm like, I'm so interested in the topic, but not at all interested in the movie. Oh, 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 I gotcha. You're interested to see, like, what happens with this movie. Right. You don't actually want to see the movie. I think James Cameron said, like, this needs to be, like, the third highest grossing movie of all time to make money. (laughs) (laughs) I saw something about that, too. That's crazy. I don't know if that's true. Uh, That can't possibly be true. Um, Maybe 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 it's, like, it's a half-truth or something, but... (laughs) It's a hilarious idea. No, I I heard I heard a report that like someone went to Jim Cameron and was like, Jim, can can you can you please cut down on like cut the, some of this runtime? This is so expensive. And he was like, No, fuck you. <laughs> like, okay, fine. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. Um, December twenty sixth would be exactly forty five days after the November eleventh theatrical premiere of Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. So, I would guess sometime. Late 2022, early 2023. I'll get to it in January. I'll watch it in January, February. 
I mean, because here's the other thing is that I believe it's I believe it's ninety eight percent of movies make ninety five percent of their box office revenue in the first forty five days. Yeah, I mean that sounds right. So the previous rule of like, oh, we have to wait three or four months after theatrical in order to bring it to streaming or Blu-ray, that doesn't really make any sense. Like you don't, yeah. you don't it doesn't need to be in theaters for three months. You know, right. it, it can be in theaters for a month and a half and you're fine, you know? Yeah, exactly. All right. So yeah, I know I know all of our fans are disappointed that we didn't talk Wakanda forever, but we will get to it in a month or two. Yeah. So yeah, stay tuned. Care. It's just so long. That's part of why I don't want to see it. Is it long? How long is it? It's like 240. Oh, God. I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's good. I, I was I was talking to a friend, and I, I don't know how this happened. She she claims that she found the script online and read the script. I don't I don't I don't know how. What? <laughs> she didn't go see the movie though, but she read the script. And I asked her, I was like, "Well, how, how was it?" She was like, "You know, these movies are all the same." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that sounds about right." <laughs> Yeah, everybody I follow on Letterboxd has given it three and a half stars, except for one person gave it four and a half and, like, loved it. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard it was good, honestly. Like, in, in comparison to what I've heard about Eternals and Love and Thunder, like, I've, I've heard it, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. So, yeah, I'll get to it when it comes to Disney+. Plus. I'm, I'm going to be yeah. lazy about it. Sorry, I, I, got, I got a little bit of Marvel fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to. I don't know. I just 162 minutes. Yeah, I'll I'll watch it at home where I can pause. Sorry, 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 Marvel. But if you if you if Julie Louis Dreyfus is in it, that's cool. Sorry, Marvel. But like, if you want me to like take this more seriously and really devote my attention to it and like be excited and go and go give you box office revenue, you you, you got to have a better track record. You, you you're slipping. You're slipping, and uh, that means I'm uh, – when Marvel is slacking on quality, I'm slacking on going to the theater. 